Well, my name is Parker Johnson, and I'm the pastor here at First Presbyterian Church in Bruton, Alabama. We're located at 336 Belleville Avenue in downtown Bruton. And if you don't have a church family of your own, when this whole season is over, we would love for you to come and join ours. This is the midweek devotional for April the 8th, 2020. And we find ourselves in the middle of Holy Week, a time when we normally gather together as God's people throughout our city to worship Him and to be reminded as we worship together as God's people of what He has done for us as God's people. So today I'd like to use a text from Isaiah chapter 40 and then Luke chapter 3 to point us to what Christ has done for us upon the, Christ, upon the cross of Calvary and the empty tomb of Easter morning. But Before we read God's Word, let's pray. So Father, we do pray that you would help us as we come to your Word by your Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would use your Word to remove obstacles in our hearts to trusting in you today. Lord, we pray for our community and for our nation that you would use this time to draw us closer to you. Indeed, Lord, we pray that as we look back upon this strange season, that we would be reminded of your faithfulness and we would see great growth spiritually. We pray for those who are affected by the coronavirus financially and physically. Lord, we do lift up our own hospital workers and first responders that you would protect them. We again pray for our mayor, the mayors of Bruton and East Bruton, for our governor and for our president and all those who advise him. We pray that this season would come to an end soon, but Lord, we thank you that you have given us all that we need for life and godliness and that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So we draw near to you again today. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, last week we looked at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. And today we continue our study of Isaiah chapter 40 with verses 3 through 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. An uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Well, the original context here is of the return of God's people from exile. You'll remember from our study of Isaiah over these last several weeks that God's people had continually turned away from Him and not, had not heeded the prophets that God had sent year after year, decade and century after century. And so God did what He promised He would do. He would raise up a foreign nation to come and to drive them into exile for discipline. Well, Isaiah 40, there's a shift, and the shift is looking forward to the day when God will bring His people back from exile. And so, in 538 B.C., Cyrus, the Medo-Persian emperor who had, um, the Medo-Persians had uh, defeated the Babylonians, and the Babylonians were the one that God had used to send them to exile. And so, the Medo-Persian Cyrus, in 538, issued a decree 
that the Jews could go home and build the temple. And guess what? They could do it with Persian funds. This text tells us of what is going to happen, that God is going to be leading His people out of Babylon or out of the Medo-Persian Empire, home to His special place of Israel, His special city of Jerusalem. This is metaphorical language of a highway in the desert, the valleys being lifted up and mountains being made low. Uh, This is metaphorical language of all that would come to pass when God showed up to gather His people and to send them, to bring them with Him in a great procession, a triumphal procession, back to the homeland. Don't you love this, uh, this imagery of uh, topographical change where valleys that were deep are filled up and lifted up and mountains that would have impeded the progress of God's people? Metaphorically, these things are brought down. Everything is made into a plain, a level place. This would be another exodus. Another exodus in which God would hear His people as they are under foreign oppression. He would remember, not as if He had forgotten, but remembered in the sense of calling to mind and acting on their behalf of the promises He had made to His people. And God would save His people just like He had done in the exodus from the Egyptians from foreign oppression living in a foreign land. Verse 5 tells us, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. And we can trust this because the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Don't you love how this says that His salvation, His rescuing, His people, this new exodus would be done in such a way that everyone would see it. It would not be secret. It would be on the international stage. He has coordinated everything. God is going to save His people in a very public way. And this is what happened. Indeed, God's people, at least some of them, did come back to the promised land. And they did rebuild a temple. But there is tension here. There's great tension because only some of the exiles would return. Some wouldn't. And while the temple would be rebuilt, it wasn't as grand as before And the Ark of the Covenant was nowhere to be found. And while they were home, they remained under foreign Gentile control. So it it must have looked to another day, to a better fulfillment. The return of the exiles in the Old Testament was really a shadow of the reality to come. A lot of times we talk about shadows coming after the fact. You look at the person and you look after them or behind them and you see the shadow. But with the Bible, we really see the shadows in the Old Testament of what is to come in the New. For this text ultimately points us to the ministry of Christ, to His person and work, and specifically to this week of Holy Week. Well, as we flip over to the New Testament to Luke chapter 3. We see that the Holy Spirit inspired the gospel writers to call upon this text as Christ fulfilling what is said here. 
and John the Baptist as the one who is the voice of the prophet crying out in the wilderness for God's people to be prepared for the coming of God. So we see this in Luke chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. And he, this is John the Baptist, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Isn't that amazing that Isaiah's prophecy of what was to come with the return of God's people from exile ultimately pointed to a greater exodus, a greater salvation that would come. See, John was the one crying out, preaching in the wilderness, literally preaching in the wilderness. And he is preaching of God's approach in Christ, that soon he would come, and he did. Remember, this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he's crying out for people not only to be aware of the approaching of the Christ, isn't it great for God to tell His people, hey, Christ is about to show up? But also their need to prepare, prepare for His coming in their and ultimately our hearts. See, ultimately these words of the valleys and the mountains and the crooked places and the rough places, these point not to geographical markers or lines of change in a topographical map, but ultimately to the contours of our heart. This week, as we go through Holy Week, what are the contours of your heart? See, there is a terrain that is harder to change than actual mountains and valleys. How many valleys have been filled in and bridged for roads? How many mountaintops have been chopped away for mining and how many have been tunneled through? But you know, diggers and bulldozers have no power for the hardest soil in the world and it's the hard soil of man's heart. So John comes as the last prophet before Christ proclaiming a need for repentance, of turning away from our sin and believing false things and calling us to repair our hearts for Him. What are the obstacles in your hearts to the work of God? What are the obstacles in your hearts to the work of God? Perhaps, if you're not a Christian, the, the obstacles would be sin, the sin you love more than the salvation offered in Christ. Is there something you're unwilling to give up to call upon the name of Jesus and submit yourself to Him and receive salvation? Or perhaps another obstacle, if you're not a Christian, is, is self-righteousness. Certainly that is in the context here, as John the Baptist will be preaching not only to those who would hear him and receive the good news, but also to the Pharisees and the scribes. 
people who would be opposed to Christ because they believed that they could save themselves. They didn't ultimately need saving by a Messiah who would suffer upon the Christ for them. Do you need to remove the obstacle of self-righteousness in your own heart? Thinking that you don't need saving or that you can save yourself by being a good person? You know, ultimately, we are powerless to change our own hearts. And we need to cry out upon the Lord that He would prepare our hearts for Him. But perhaps you are a Christian. Are there obstacles in your heart to God's work in your life? You know, I think we have a unique opportunity in this season to examine our hearts. First, the season that we're in with the coronavirus, it has stripped away the illusion of self-reliance. It has taken away the lie of self-sufficiency. It has demonstrated the slumber of our hearts. And it has stripped away so many distractions. But also, another season in which we are in is Holy Week. This is a special week in which we reflect upon the final week of Christ's ministry, of His sacrificial death on the cross and the coming empty tomb. Christ came to lead us out in an even greater exodus than the one from Egypt or the one from the Medo-Persian Empire when God would bring His people back, back out of exile. See, Christ came to deliver us from something far greater than the Egyptians and the Persians. It is the guilt and the power of sin the fact that we, unless we have called upon Christ, are enemies of God. How would He do this? How would He save us? How would He lead us out in this greater exodus? Well, Isaiah 40 verse 5 tells us, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How will God's glory be revealed? It's staggering. It is staggering. How will God be glorified in the salvation He purchased upon the cross and the empty tomb? This is language Jesus Himself used. In John 12, 23, Jesus says this. He says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Christ would soon go through the humiliation of the cross and the wrath of the Father poured out upon Him And then that moment of exaltation when he was raised from the dead. Here's how one commentator put it. it. The Father, in giving up the Son to die on the cross, and in granting him the promised reward of resurrection, exhibits the divine attributes like love, justice, omnipotence, faithfulness, in all their majestic and indescribable beauty. They are displayed publicly for all who have eyes to see. And so it was done just like Isaiah 45, 40 verse 5 says, that all flesh, everyone would see it. As the crowds looked on and hurled their spit upon Him, they saw it. As the Roman soldiers nailed Him to the cross and divided His clothes, they saw it. And as the two thieves hung beside Him, they saw it. And as Mary, his mother, and the other ladies watched along with his beloved disciple John, they saw it. And when the sun refused to shine, the veil was torn in two, and the dead folks started walking around. All flesh saw it together. 
Have you seen with the eyes of your heart the salvation purchased by Christ for His people upon that cross? Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? As we eagerly anticipate the empty tomb of Resurrection Sunday, let us all examine our hearts to see what obstacles need to be removed. For there is another day coming, and it's been guaranteed by Christ's resurrection when Christ shall return. In all flesh, every soul of those living and dead will behold the bodily return of Christ. As Philippians 2 tells us, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So, Father, in this week, this special holy week, in which we look to the cross of Friday and ultimately to the empty tomb of Sunday. We pray that you would work in our hearts and remove the obstacles that would keep us from looking upon our Savior in faith. We pray these things in His holy and precious name. Amen.